you're listening to the Bomb Girls Beacon, a podcast dedicated to the television show Bomb Girls. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Stephanie. We're going to be talking about Marco in this episode. And just a little spoiler warning, we're primarily going to be discussing the first two seasons of the series, but there might be some spoilers from the movie Facing the Enemy as well. But we're going to keep those to a minimum, no big spoilers, we promise. So for the history tidbit for Marco, we wanted to share a little something about the effects of Italian-Canadian internment. And we found actually quite a good website called Italian Canadians as Enemy Aliens. It's kind of an online museum exhibit, and it was very interesting. And the bit that we thought was appropriate given the topic of Bomb Girls was this this quotation. The majority of internees, meaning Italian-Canadian internees, were men with families and often the sole breadwinners. The assets of most internees were seized by the custodian of enemy property. Bank accounts were frozen. Wives or other family members had to request the government's permission to access funds. The women did whatever it took to make ends meet. They worked as seamstresses, provided laundry and housekeeping services, and took in boarders. In the husband's absence, they managed the family business with the government overseeing their activities. And we decided for Marco's drink special that we should probably just go with red wine, because that's really what we see as sort of a staple of Marco's story, right? Yeah, we have both that scene where Vera stumbles upon him making wine with his friends, which I think is kind of cute. Mm -hmm. uh, and then just it seems like whenever we see him having a meal with his mother, they're drinking red wine. Well, he tells Lorna as much that they have mm -hmm. red wine with yeah. every meal. So this TV show, it's called Bomb Girls. And yet... When we look at the main characters of the show, Marco's up there. He's not as significant a character as, say, Betty or Kate or Gladys, but he's still a main character of the show. And I really like that the show did this, even though it really focuses on women and women's experiences. There's also this sense that the show is really talking about those who got left behind in the war more collectively, meaning those who did not go overseas to fight. Yes, that's a good point. And this is because we see this with Bob as well. Mm -hmm. He and Marco, I think, kind of have similar personal struggles because they are men who are on the home front, unable to join up for the war. Or I don't know that Bob would have him in the beginning, but we see him later try to, you know, work as part of the war effort and really have trouble finding a job. And this is Marco's main storyline throughout the series is his struggle with wanting to be a patriot and join up and fight for Canada and not being able to. Right. Because we do have at least a couple of instances where he has tried to join the army and, you know, it's revealed that they wouldn't let him. Because I think he says the reason cited was that he would interfere with troop cohesion or something yes. like that. Yes. Because, because of him being Italian. Right. And then, of course, we get the sort of contrary stories from some other soldiers. Wasn't it? Was it Jean? Mm hmm. I think had mentioned to him that he served with a group of Italians, I think, or uh, Italian Canadians. Yeah. And because he makes the point to tell Marco that he really trusts these men that he serves with, regardless of the fact that they are Italian. Right. So then you're like, well, is it just the recruitment officers that Marco happens to be talking to? 
yeah, I do have that question. Or, or did these Italian officer soldiers that Jean serves with, did they serve up before Mussolini became an enemy of, of Canada? Was that even possible? I have to delve more into the history of that. Or was maybe just the anti-Italian sentiment in Ontario particularly bad? I do wonder what the rest of the story is. But not only does Marco face, we see Marco face discrimination for for being Italian, not being able to join the military. We also see very early in the series, the conflict that he has with the service members at, it's not the jewel box, because I think they go to a different hangout in the first season. But we, you know, wherever their hangout is, he tries to go and dance with somebody. And the soldiers are all, you know, only soldiers can dance with, with girls here. I want to say it's like the Sandy Shores Pavilion. You're correct. It is the Sandy Shores Pavilion. So he's not just facing this discrimination for being Italian, but he's facing discrimination for not being a soldier, which he can't be because he's Italian. Yes. I do like that the show really sort of emphasizes that, that it's one of those things where it's just, it's completely out of his control. Mm-hmm. And, and sort of the resentment that that can foster. Cause, and, and again, to relate to, the other male character, we see James also see some similar discrimination for not being a soldier. He gets kind of a, a look from a soldier when he, when he talks to him. Cause he's kind of being, the soldier's being flirty with Gladys and James makes a comment and just, uh, who are you for not being in uniform? Because people can't tell he's American. So yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like the themes for the men all really seem to revolve around them not being able to be soldiers for various reasons. And that sort of, struggle that 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 creates for them on a daily basis. Right. Or in Bob's case, the fact that he was a soldier and that it has had lasting consequences. But looking more specifically at Marco as an Italian immigrant, we see with his storyline, the show exploring the internment camps that Italians were forced into once Canada declared war on Italy. Yes, because his father had ended up in Petawawa. And we we sort of get a sense of what that situation was like. That I forget how long it was that he'd been in Petawawa. Did they specify? They did say at some point, but I have forgotten. I want to say something like two years. He might have said, but that seems I, long. Six. I months, do also want to say year. it was two years, but I that might not be. He does specify to Lorna though. In the episode where Lorna gets him fired by sticking an Italian newspaper in his locker. He does tell Lorna how long his father has been in Petawawa and mentions that they didn't even know that's where he was for several months. Right. That he was just taken up by soldiers and then they had no idea what happened to him for months. And of course, there was no recourse on their part. I mean, there was nothing that could be done about it. So, you know, of course, eventually Gladys ends up pulling some strings and they at least get to see him, even though it didn't actually help free him for well it really just didn't help free him at all but no and and we see marco even gets there's the risk of marco getting taken in and becoming an an internee as well in that situation because he gets so frustrated with his father's situation and i think he hits a guard or two he causes a big scene and it seems like only because of a phone call from a higher official in the canadian government is he able to to leave Petawawa and not not become a prisoner, excuse me, an internee as well. Mm-hmm. They were prisoners, but technically <laughs> the correct word is internee. 
And then, of course, at the end of the second season, there's the big reveal that it wasn't an accident that Marco's father had ended up in the internment camp because it was Frank DiCarlo's was it Frank DiCarlo's father had yes. called it in basically because it was basically like a petty family business feud. Yeah, because I think they were both in fireworks, correct? Right. And it was a way to improve their business outlook, essentially, was to turn in and probably save their own skin because his father, I believe they say, was not interned. Right. And and so he gives up Marco's father to be interned to, you know, it's a good business deal. And probably, again, it probably saved him as well. All the shady, shady goings on. But, you know, and in the second season, that was sort of the culmination of Marco just becoming more and more frustrated with the discrimination that he was facing as an as an Italian. Mm-hmm. We see him struggle with it. They, they make the reference to the fact that for the so-called enemy en- enemy aliens was, I believe, what they yes, what they referred to both Canadians and, and German residents of Canada who were either nationalized or, or not. I think probably Japanese also. Yes, you're correct. Probably Japanese as well. And they they were required to check in monthly with the RCMP. They had to register and then report to them. And we see we see Marco getting sort of hassled for that, supposedly for that. Though, wasn't it? Yeah, because didn't he realize that his officer actually wasn't all concerned about him checking in and that guy was just giving him a hard time who came to the right. bomb factory? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Okay. But yeah, they do mention the fact that so-called enemy aliens were required to report to them on a monthly basis. The fact that we see Marco's mother being discriminated against at a, at a grocery store, at a Withams grocery store, and getting kicked out. And all that builds to him toying with the idea of becoming a, I guess a terrorist would be the word to say, to, to collude with this guy Mahoney and plan some kind of terrorist act involving an explosion. Right. Again, it's sort of that whole thing of fostering enough resentment that it's kind of backfiring. Yeah. I, I mean, we we have these these residents who probably did not house any sort of or much resentment toward Canada. And yet through all the poor treatments that they're receiving, they're just getting more and more resentful and they're kind of turning into what the government has projected onto them just because they happen to be from a particular country. Right. It's the whole becoming the thing that they're accused of being. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, thankfully, Marco did not go through with that. <laughs> I know. I was worried there for a moment. I was like getting really worried for Marco in the second season. I think many of us probably were. But at the same time, he was being quite a jerk to, to Vera. Like you understood on some level, level why he was so frustrated and it was totally unfair, his situation, but Marco, you were being a jerk to your girlfriend. That wasn't cool. Right. The show's called Bomb Girls, Marco. You can't be that <laughs> mean to them because we're inevitably going to like them more than you. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of liking the Bomb Girls more than Marco, he was kind of a difficult character to like in particularly the first episode. They really painted him as quite the... 
what's a good word for it? I mean, ladies' man is kind of a a mild version of of how he was portrayed in the beginning. Scoundrel. Yeah, there we go. Perhaps. Um. Yeah, but as we've talked about, and I think every episode so far, they really introduce all the characters a certain way, and then go about, you know, adding layers or sort of subverting whatever it is that you think you know about what the character type is going to be. So they do very much introduce Marco as this sort of ladies man and he's flirting with all the girls and, and uh, Lorna is clearly disapproving of, of all that and of his reading Italian newspapers and everything. But that's going back to the point that we just left. <laughs> But because I think where we first see him is outside the factory and he's chatting up a lady and Lorna's trying to get everybody ready to go inside the factory. And he's, you know, she's trying to be like, Marco, you need to get in line, too. And he he gives some some comment about how, you know, you worry about your girls, this this something about being a fox in a hen house, Ugh, Marco. <laughs> and, you know, he's he's set up in in as kind of a like the other male employees, kind of an antagonist toward particularly Lorna, but the women in general. And that's really not where he ends up character, character wise toward the end of the, se- of the series. Well, cause it's sort of interesting because they really play with it because he's introduced as this guy who, you know, as, as you say, he likes the ladies, but it turns out that the end impression of Marco is that he genuinely likes <laughs> the ladies. Yeah. Yeah, he's he. Yeah, he doesn't just like want to sleep with him, though. Of course, he wants to sleep with him. But he he ends up really being an ally for our our main female characters. Yes. And, you know, especially given a lot of the other male characters, especially at the factory. Donald, for example. Ah, Donald. I know. (laughs) He's he's the worst. Donald's he's just terrible. terrible. He's yes, he's the absolute worst. And so Marco's in a large way sort of like the antithesis of Donald because Donald's just putting down all the women and just you know, as far as Donald's concerned, they're all just beneath him and and Marco's very much the opposite. Marco defends them, defends the women against Donald. Anytime Donald tries to start up nonsense, crazy sexist nonsense, Marco sort of helps shut down whatever it is that Donald's trying to start up, which I appreciate about Marco. Yeah, and it makes me wonder if what we see of Marco in the beginning of the series with with sort of this really cocky attitude, if it might not be partially a reaction to facing so much discrimination on a daily basis if his masculinity has really been threatened. Mm, And this mm -hmm. is kind of his response to that, is needing to assert himself in this really particular way. Makes sense to me, now that you mention it. Yeah, but because we we see that fall away pretty quickly, and and it seems to do so when he develops closer relationships with the female workers. Right. And... His big storyline that he got in the first season was his affair with Lorna. Which, again, is very interesting given the way the series starts. 
Right. Because he ends up, you know, he, he, he wants to really be with Lorna. And especially when he realizes that she's pregnant, this idea that he could start a family with her, have a family with her, seems to really appeal to him. Mm-hmm. And I still don't quite understand that whole relationship. <laughs> I wasn't around for the, for the Lorna episode, but I, I, so I didn't get to insert, though I think you might have done it for me, how much I don't understand <laughs> the relationship between Marco and Lorna. I think I kind of understand it from Marco's end, because it seems like if I'm recall- recalling correctly, a conversation between himself and Archie and I can't remember this character's name, the, the, the guy who ended up selling TNT or on the black market, he, he, they were talking about women and how, you know, Lorna was, was maybe had like, you know, some hot sexiness burning under the surface there. So I could maybe see where, why Marco approached the situation. It seemed like maybe the, his friends kind of put that idea into his head. Maybe. But Lorna, I just don't get it all. <laughs> well, they had that specific episode after she'd gotten Marco fired, where she had to go deliver his paycheck to him. Right, and she has dinner with his mom. Right. And so there's that... That whole sequence, I think, was really designed to sort of show Lorna that he is just sort of, like, an actual person with an actual family that mm-hmm. he actually cares about. <laughs> and so I think it's it's one of those things, it's a matter of forcing Lorna to confront her own prejudices right because her his mother was so kind to lorna and fed her and i think lorna really understands that impulse as a mother right and 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 yeah and i think it's after that dinner right when he's walking her home where where they they kiss for the first time so yes so yeah i i think probably probably you're right but yeah so so their relationship was was an interesting one i thought in in the first season and 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 somewhat revealing of Marco, humanizing of Marco, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, plus, I think part of it, too, is Lorna's storyline before that, that didn't involve work, was about, and really even that did involve work, was all about sort of Lorna being sidelined a little bit. She wasn't really being respected by the other men in her life. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Mr. Aikens was rather dismissive and Bob sort of rejected her attempts at intimacy. And so I think the fact that Marco was helping or Marco was actively treating her as another equal human being, I think was maybe a lot of what drew Lorna to him at all. And I think we also see a trust emerge between the two of them regarding the incident of the bad bomb. Because not only does Lorna kind of come to check on him after he's been injured in, in the in the locker room, in the men's locker room, but in that incident, the company wants to fire a female worker saying it was their fault that the bad bomb occurred. But Marco figures out that actually it's because the Amatol mixture was off there. It was, you know, he's like, the smoke shouldn't be black. There's, is it too much TNT that he, that he realizes was in the Amatol? I believe so, yeah. And it was actually the result of a drunk male employee that caused the bad bomb. And when Lorna kind of confronted Marco about the fact that it was a male po- employee's fault and not 
Edith's fault, who they who the company wants to fire. You know, he makes the comment about him not having really any more power than she does in the factory because he's Italian. Mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of interesting, too, that the reason Lorna even confronted Marco was because she saw Marco confronting the guy whose fault it was. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not like she didn't know that he wasn't doing anything about it, so. But I think Lorna gets the sense that even though she feels really sort of embattled by the men in the factory setting, that Marco, too, is not exactly as empowered in that atmosphere because of his ethnicity. Right. And and I think, doesn't he even mention to Mr. Akins the fact that, you know, it wasn't it wasn't Edith's fault, it was this other guy's fault, and why are we punishing Edith? I believe he does. Yeah, I have a memory of that happening. I might be making it up, but I so I think he even tries to stand up for the for the female workers in that case. Right. So you know, and also by by extension, we see him really sticking up for Lorna when Dottie Shannon writes the article about Lorna when she's talking about how, oh, Lorna does so much work, more work than the male employees, but gets paid less. And Donald again, Donald. I just feel like I have to say his name that way. Donald. Well, yeah, you do. (laughs) You know, he tries to start nonsense in the, in the cafeteria and leaves the, gets his stockroom boys to leave their trays on the table for Lorna to pick up to remind her that she should be at home, you know, cleaning up after them. And it's Marco who who stands up to Donald and is just like, this is ridiculous. This is nonsense. Stop acting like jerks. Yes. I, I believe he is the only the only male employee who actively defends the women at the factory, so But we do also see him being an ally to Betty and Kate and Vera and Gladys too. For example, he teaches Kate how to flirt with men. And it's fantastic. It is. <laughs> I, I appreciate all the scenes where Marco's just genuinely being a friend to the bomb girls. And I wish we had gotten more scenes of that, because in the first season, he had a lot of scenes just with Lorna. And then in the second season, he had a lot of scenes just with Vera. And I, I wish we had gotten to see him see him more with with some of the other bomb girls, because that's one of my favorite scenes of the series is when he's he's teaching Kate how to flirt and Betty's all like uncomfortable about it. And Marco's just, you know, being Marco. Right. Well, because <laughs> I think Marco tries to get Kate to practice on him. Mm-hmm. And Kate's so deeply embarrassed that he's kind of like, here, Betty, <laughs> use Betty instead, which, of course, just, as you say, makes Betty uncomfortable. But but it's a charming scene. Yeah, and Marco is so delightful in that scene. And similarly, he he <laughs> when Vera tries to teach Kate how to do burlesque and is talking to Marco about it later because Marco's actually being very supportive about that too, helping Kate with her burlesque and but then when Vera goes and and talks to him about it later <laughs> and he talks to her about how she had coached Kate on the burlesque act. So then Marco decides that he has to do like a little demonstration for Vera. It's probably my favorite Marco moment of the series is when he does his little strip tease for Vera. It's a pretty good moment. <laughs> 
Yeah, and it's it's just so. I mean, I I like Marco's storyline a lot. I think it's important that they included all of the all of the 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 trials and and difficulties that he faced as an Italian immigrant. I think that's very important that they included that. But it means he's very serious a lot of the time, and he is. He's a very earnest, sincere person, Marco. Mm-hmm. Which might be why I like him so much. Yeah, I appreciate earnestness. Yeah, me too. It's nice though when we get these these little glimpses of silly Marco because they don't come out all that often. Right. Well, I'd imagine it would be hard to with all the stuff that Marco's got going on. Yeah, for sure. But and we and we talked a bit quite a bit about Marco and Vera's relationship in our episode about Vera. But just to reiterate again, I think another great scene for Marco is when he finds Vera in the hallway after Carol has tried to humiliate her by telling everybody in the factory that she's been being a patriotute. And, you know, she's crying with her face pressed against the wall and Marco comes up behind her. And, you know, there was nobody else who came to check in on Vera. It was Marco. And I like that Marco, we never see Marco judge Vera for, for what she did. I think she, he does get a little frustrated with it later on because he really wants to date her. Mm -hmm. But, we never see him get really like judgmental or, or try to insinuate that Vera is a, you know, promiscuous low woman for, for doing the things that she does. Right. I was just going to say, I, I appreciate that in addition to Marco being a genuine friend, he's really not judgmental about stuff at all, really, that I can think of anyway. He's an, a good non-judgmental friend. <laughs> Oh, I just thought of another moment that I really, I, I also really like Marco dressed up as a little Cupid type of person <laughs> on Valentine's was, Day. Yeah, that was pretty good. Mostly because I think Antonio Cupo is very hunky and looks, <laughs> and looks cute in a little toga outfit. But, but I, I do like that Marco was willing to don a silly costume and deliver Valentine to people. He did manage to pull that off. He did. He looked good. He looked good. Kudos to him. <laughs> <laughs> and we mentioned this in the Vera episode as well. I love Marco and all of his association with food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when our friend Sally, who whose email I always cite, in her email, I believe she starts it off, the things about Marco that stand out for me are Italian food, pasta, tomato sauce. <laughs> <laughs> These things are such staples of modern life for all ages. But in the 1940s, non-Italians seem not to have eaten them, if Lorna and Bob's storyline is meant to be reflective of Canadian society. What a difference a few decades makes. Anyway, go on. <laughs> I was just going to say, and, and I feel like his association with food, I think it's, you know, I think it's partially his pride that he has in being Italian. Which also I like, even though he's facing a lot of discrimination for his, his ethnicity. Marco's very proud to be Italian. Mm hmm. And this is another example of Marco being an, uh, sort of an ally for the bomb girls in the bomb girls movie facing the enemy. There's this moment where, where Donald, Donald is giving <laughs> Betty and Kate a hard time and he comes up and just sort of puts his arms around both of them and kind of just, like, you know, men are such such jerks. I forget exactly what he says. He doesn't say jerks. You know, thank God for Italians. And in that moment, thank God for Italians. Thank God for Marco. Yes. For being a friend to Betty and Kate. So I like that he has a lot of pride in being Italian. I think all the food is very true to his Italian ancestry. 
And, but it also, I think, helps make him a very nurturing figure because we see Bob very, like, separate from the food. He mashes some potatoes for some time, but it's very much Bob expecting Lorna to prepare food for him. But we see, we see Marco being involved in sort of the preparation of food and the bringing of food to people throughout the series. That is true. In the first season, he brings the cannolis. He's going to give them to Archie, I think. But mm-hmm. Archie was asleep, I think, is what it was. And so he yeah. takes them to Vera instead. Yeah, I th- believe his mother made those, he says. But Yes. But I like that that's what he thought to bring to a friend was cannoli. And again, I love the scene of him making wine with his, his Italian buddies. Mm-hmm. I think you mentioned it in the Vera episode, but... There's also that scene where he and Vera are eating the lunch or sharing Marco's lunch on the roof of the factory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I like I like Marco and his connection to food a lot. There was a, a quote from a writer. They'll probably always remember that basically food is one of those easy ways to connect with an audience. Mm-hmm. Just because it's a, a common experience, like a shared experience. So... And I like that we see him kind of forging relationships through food. Like you mentioned the dinner that he and Lorna and his mother have is kind of key to humanizing Marco for Lorna. Right. And, and, you know, bringing Vera the, the cannoli. So yeah, definitely using food as a, as a way to, as a very like human experience that everybody, you know, needs. Right. So Marco. Even though he's not a bomb girl, I do really appreciate his storyline and what it adds to the series. I, I think it was very smart and, and a great idea of the writers to also include the experience of Italian immigrants in World War II. It does nicely parallel the storyline of the women. So, yes. So you agree. I do agree. So let us know your thoughts on Marco. We would love to hear them. You can go and leave a comment on the show notes for this episode over at thebombgirlsbeacon.tumblr.com slash seven, or you could send us an email to bombgirls at drinksatthedoll.com. Doll is spelled D-A-L. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Chris. And my name is Stephanie. We'll see you next shift. <laughs>